0: Hi there, I'm Liam Garrity, and welcome to Inside Intercom. This week we have something a little bit different for you. This month marks the 10th anniversary of Intercom.
1: So Intercom is and will be the modern customer communication platform.
0: Intercom CEO Karen Peacock.
1: We will be the primary way for companies to support their customers, to engage their customers, their prospects. And we want to be the place where every single team that touches customers can come together and interact and be the primary source and be able to do things that no one ever thought would be possible.
0: How did Intercom get to this point? Well, today, Karen, co-founders Des Trainer and Kiron Lee and some special guests share their memories of the past 10 years and what to expect in the future. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes by following us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you're listening to me now. So many stories of tech success begin in Silicon Valley. This one, however, begins in a small cafe in Dublin, Ireland. That's correct, we're obsessed with lattes. Today, Intercom has over 700 employees across five offices in San Francisco, Chicago, London, Sydney and Dublin. But in 2011, Intercom was only a small group of friends. Owen McCabe, Kieran Lee, David Barrett and Des Trainer. This better not end up like one of those
2: NPR documentaries, like where it's like, you know, my name is Des Trainer and the blah blah. We caught up with Mr. Trainer in his
0: home office. I did, in fact, catch up with Intercom co-founder and chief strategy officer Des Trainer in his own home office. Virtually anyway.
2: We were working on the idea for Intercom to solve a problem with our previous product, which was that we had customers that we wanted to talk to and there was no good tools for talking to customers over the internet.
0: For years, the phone, the internet, and email had reigned supreme as the ways for people to connect with their customers. But as Intercom co-founder Owen McCabe said in a keynote address back in 2018, that reign was starting to sour.
3: In around 2010, near the end of the growth curve for the World Wide Web, connecting with businesses online as a consumer started to make for a pretty crappy, spammy, and a transactional experience. The channel was over-optimized, maybe even dehumanized. It was rare, for example, that you could actually connect with a person, and pretty frequent that when you tried to, you'd receive that warm, fuzzy, delightful reply that sounded something like, dear value customer, thanks for your inquiry. You are ticket number 5053. Have you read our FAQ? Your ticket will automatically close in 10 days.
2: At the time, we were like based in Dublin. For our previous product, the vast majority of our customers, like let's say 99.9%, were not. And we needed a better way to talk to them.
0: While working out of 3FE, a coffee shop run by Colin Harmon, they started to notice something. We
2: observed how the founder of 3FE, the coffee shop, was growing his business conversation by conversation, Relationship by relationship, growing loyalty, encouraging repeat custom, creating what we would call today super fans, if you like. And he did that just by human connection.
3: We were running a different business at the time, another internet company, and we had thousands of customers, but maybe met 20 of them, maybe 30. They had nothing like the relationship with
0: their customers that Colin had with them. They started to ask themselves, was that kind of human connection even possible for online businesses?
2: All businesses ultimately depend on some form of loyalty. The loyalty comes from the positive overall product experience, but also customer experience. We realized all businesses need a positive customer experience and the tooling just wasn't there. You know, businesses didn't want to be impersonal. They didn't want to be transactional. But the tools they had at the time were like email lists, data dumps from Google Analytics, PayPal exports of active subscribers. This was like pre-Stripe, pre-anything, pre-any good technology that we know today. Because of that, businesses were forced to be, in many ways, transactional. And then on on the customer side, you didn't get a great experience because you couldn't just talk to the business. It was like, go to our contact us form, And then it was like, here's 27 dropdowns. Fill I'll fill them all in. And if you're lucky, we'll tell you to go away and treat it and treat it for five working days or whatever. And we really wanted to do better. And that's where the idea for Intercom was born.
0: At the time, Des, Kieran, Owen and David had this business called Exceptional. It was an error tracking app.
3: Actually, the start of Intercom was a, the kernel of it was a tiny feature that we built into Exceptional, our little error tracking app.
0: That's Intercom co-founder Kieran Lee. Kieran says they had a problem with their software. Occasionally, they'd want to chat with their customers. But to do it, they'd have to jump through hoops, exporting, importing, wasting a bunch of time. They needed a solution.
3: We had this idea. I don't even remember who had it. Probably on our desk. Definitely wasn't me. We had this idea to sort of build part of the app, Exceptional, where we could go in as admins in the back end and create a message, and our customers would see that message as they were using the software. There was no filters, there was no two-way communication, that's all it was. We had the logo, and a little bubble, like a speech bubble, would pop up out of the logo. And I guess that was the start of it. And you know, the curious thing is, I didn't really appreciate this at the time. I was kind of confused, but customers immediately started saying hey, what's this bubble? Like, what is that? Is that a third-party tool? Is that some open source thing? Well, I want that. Can I get that? There was more interest from some people in that than the actual product that we are selling them and they're, they're paying to use. And so it was just it was interesting.
0: People kept asking about this feature and it got the co-founders thinking, could we take this speech bubble and build it out in such a way that it could work for third parties so that they could take this messenger and put it right into their applications? They thought about it, figured it out and built it. And customers were very interested.
3: It was just a different vibe in terms of their response to it compared to the things we had built in the past. And it was clear that there was a point where it was kind of clear, this is different. People really, really like this. I didn't quite get it. Why? So it kind of just went on fire. And then the whole thing, It wasn't initially some massive grand vision. It just, it, 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 it snowballed.
0: They said about turning Intercom from an idea to a business, but as Dez says, that takes hard work. I just remember the
2: intensity of actually trying to deliver a startup. It's not a natural thing to try and build a startup and get it into hyper growth, and it takes you know literally it takes as much as you can give, as much as you are willing to give. And for us, we were we were incredibly ambitious right from the top. with OM. we were just incredibly ambitious people who really, 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 really wanted to like empty the tank on this one and see what we could achieve.
0: Co founder Owen McCabe moved to San Francisco, took every meeting he could, and started to hire people.
4: Well, my name is Macy. I was Intercom's first US employee.
0: Macy Baker was also Intercom's third employee overall.
4: My job was not defined very well, so I was kind of just doing whatever needed doing, which turned out to be a lot. Like in those days, Intercom was still trying to prove itself as like a legitimate. Business. I mean, as in literally, we were figuring out how do you do payroll. You know, I was suddenly having to hire an accountant and I was like, I've never spoken to an accountant. <laughs> like, how does this all work?
0: Aside from the practicalities of setting up a business, there was also the customer side of things.
4: Owen oh, and then the rest of the team were fighting really hard to make good impressions on customers. And I'll never forget, like, this is just an example of how every day was. You never knew what was gonna happen. But one day we kind of messed up and I think we ended up accidentally sending an email to like every one of our customers. Customers, one customer in particular, this like really affected. I think that's what happened. In any case, we kind of messed up and Owen was like, right, Macy, I need your help. Like, I want you to hand deliver a cake to this customer they were also in San Francisco and the cake just said like sorry we fucked up on it so I'm suddenly spending my whole morning like calling every cake shop in the in the area being like can you please like I'll come in there and I'll write it myself like please <laughs> just like any cake you can spare so <laughs> it was so scrappy like We were all just doing our best and we were trying to be creative and we were working really hard just to get this thing off the ground.
2: The first sort of hallelujah moment I remember having was, it was honestly, it was probably late in the day relative, like it wasn't like, you know, third day of product work or whatever. Myself and Owen jumped on a call with a, I think his name is Garrett Demon and he had a product called Sifter. We were, you know, it was a Skype call because again, there was no good tools back then. And I just remember like Garrett opened up the conversation and like literally the first thing he said was oh my god you guys this is incredible i can't believe how valuable this product was i've just spent all day talking to all my customers i'm getting such great feedback it's incredible the thing that really like you know there were definitely hints of success in the run-up to that for sure but this was the first person who like i knew was a good product person and i hoped was starved of customer feedback and relationships the same way we were and like within a quick burst and a 30 second monologue he made it clear that like i run a good product and i have this problem and that's when i kind of realized This isn't unique to us. It's not because we're in Dublin. It's not because of the peculiarities of our previous business. At the time, I would say every SaaS, every software as a service business has a version of this problem. And we just need to make Intercom work for them all.
3: It was probably the most formative experience of, you know, any part of my career. Employee number four, Jeff Gardner. Jeff says the next few years for Intercom were a whirlwind. Being able to join a company with just eight people, eight total people, including the founders, and watch that go to, you know, 650 or something over, you know, just under eight years. And just the wild customer growth, revenue growth, you know, different phases of the company, adding offices, like it was an incredible experience. You know, it's a a lot of experience in terms of different aspects of business crammed into a very short period.
2: The pieces that like excite me most are the milestones you cross that is kind of no turning back from or whatever, like when we crossed a hundred million dollars in revenue and I was like, right, like I I don't want to sound bitter, but there's a lot of people who said we wouldn't get there, you know what I mean? Or when we got valued over a billion dollars or whatever, like the nature of kind of running a startup, especially at the start is like you're putting yourself and your ambition out there. And it's like that um, one of our listeners will know the poem, but it's this idea of like children spread their dreams out in front of you and tread softly because you tread on their dreams. There's some sense of that in how you start a startup. You put yourself out there by saying you think you can like make the internet better. You think you can build a like huge business. You think Intercom could be easily a 100 million, if not a billion, if not a $10 billion business. And there is no shortage of people who will be like, okay, but like I probably won't. And you're like, yeah, I mean, and like the thing is like that that side of skepticism is very like uh, cheap in that like you, if you predict 99% of startups will fail, you look like a genius. But if you predict the Stripe will fail and they go on to become $100 billion, you start to look like a moron again. Like it's, you know, I, I, so I think like for me, like there's definitely been a few milestones where I'm like, huh, like you laughed then, but no one's laughing now, right? So they're the ones where, where that kind of stand out, which tend to be like, Honestly, just anything that's just a raw, unquestionable evidence that like the company has produced a lot of value. And they're like for sure. One example of that would be like say revenue and growth and the role of intercom on the internet.
1: The first time that I used the intercom product was just a lightning bolt moment for me, literally. And I thought this is the product that I have needed in every SaaS company I've ever been a part of or run.
0: Intercom CEO Karen Peacock joined the company as chief operating officer in 2017.
1: I've been a lot of SaaS businesses by that point And I thought, oh, my gosh, I just see where it is today, where it could go, the customer problem and like benefit and need firsthand. And I thought I have to be a part of this.
0: The second reason that attracted Karen to the company was the people.
1: Getting to know Owen and Dez and Paul and Dara and the the rest of the executive team and key leaders across the team, I just thought, this is a group of people who are incredibly smart and yet very humble and down to earth. And, you know, we've all known a lot of very smart people and not a lot of them are humble and down to earth. And I just thought like this, that's a very special combination. And also a group of folks who I just thought had Just real vision, clear vision for where the future was going. It aligned the way I thought about the world and the macro trends that I was seeing, what I believed in my opinions about the future. Just folks with really strong vision who were also really open-minded and excited to talk about it and build on each other's ideas.
0: Karen's final reason for joining Intercom was the growth.
1: Which was really just... Validating the first two things were true. Like this is a a huge market opportunity, a great product today and path forward and a very special team of people going after it. And that's why we're seeing the kind of massive, exciting results that we're seeing.
0: Karen remembers a particular moment in 2018 when they were doing Series D fundraising.
1: We were out talking to all of the best venture capitalists in Silicon Valley and talking about Intercom and they were super excited and as you may remember we ended up significantly oversubscribed and more people wanted to get in than even could. But one of the most memorable meetings that that I had was with Kleiner Perkins and we were in there talking about Intercom and doing our whole overview of what the company was and it was to all the partners in the group. And every single person was really engaged in the conversation, was clearly listening, was asking questions, except one person who was sitting in the back of the room and was on his phone the entire time, did not look up for a second. And I was trying to kind of engage him because it's, you know, it's very strange. And I thought, I guess he's not interested, but everyone else, it seems to be really like getting this. And so the whole time he just sat there on his phone and I thought, well, why doesn't he just leave? On his phone, on his phone, at the very end of the conversation, he said, well, I just have one thing to add, if I may. And I thought, well, this will be, be interesting. And he proceeds to share a three-minute poem describing the whole of the presentation that we've just done, rhyming and all. And at the end of that, Kleiner Perkins ended up leading our Series D financing and giving us our our first valuation over a billion dollars in market cap in 2018. So I've never had a poem written as a part of a pitch process before. And so that is a memory that will always stay with me.
2: something else i think is really cool is like just the people who've worked in intercom have then gone on to start startups i think i can count like at least five or six startups that are founded by and heavily fused with ex-intercom people and a lot of them will credit like what they learned at intercom as a result of that. And I think that's an awesome feeling too, because it, you know, it reminds you like that the legacy of the company isn't just in its you know, metrics, it's in like what it did for everyone. Other fun examples are like the first intercom wedding between two people who work in intercom or those types of things. They're like, they're all kind of things where you realize, huh, we've really created something that is actually like beyond the, the commercial success of the enterprise, has changed people's lives in meaningful ways. And that's always kind of a nice feeling. Did you ever end up as a celebrant for any of those weddings? No, I've I, I got i got I got one invite I think so far. <laughs> um, so and I'll take that. That's not bad. Yeah.
0: This month, August 2021, marks the 10th anniversary of Intercom.
3: It feels great, honestly. I I didn't think we would we would last this long. I've always sort of thought at various different times in our history, like the most likely thing is we're going to get acquired by a bigger company because that's just what happens to so many others. And so to have gotten this far and be just looking at beautiful growth and sort of fundamental dynamics of the business and then thinking about, you know, the next two, three, four or more years, I kind of feel more confident than ever that we will We will be here in another 10 years, and we will be intercom uh, 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 and not something else. We're at a really exciting point in our maturity.
1: The one thing that's constant in life is change. I think as much as you can view every twist and turn in the road as an opportunity, it's, you know, I don't want to be cliche, but the whole when one door closes, another opens. So, for example, I think that through COVID, we saw a massive, massive opportunity to further accelerate our business and the digital transformation that the world is going through Five years happened in one year, maybe 10 years happened in one year and, and we're never going back. And I think it's one of those those situations where like the volume has turned up on what customers expect and the kind of relationships all that you can do in the, the digital world has like just shot up in a big way. We're now up at 11 and it's never going to go back down. It's just going to turn up more and more from there. So thinking about where is there opportunity? I also think things like during the worst times of the, the COVID crisis, using this as an opportunity to offer our customers discounts and help them out when they need help. So I think part of opportunity is knowing when it's your time to step up and do more. One of the other things I'm, I'm super proud of related to that is the declaration that we made earlier this year that we are committed to being net zero emissions across all of our operations, both direct and indirect, and ultimately, and starting now this year, and ultimately become climate positive. And to me, that's like the, that's the kind of thing that you can do that's beyond just the scope of your company as, as you get stronger and stronger. So that's the type of opportunity that we start to have as we play at this level.
2: When you realize that like the, the things, when you sat down as four people in a coffee shop to talk about, I remember our own outlining the, the sort of core working principles with us one day. And we all kind of agreed and I don't know if we shook hands, but we all kind of like, you know, there was like wide-eyed agreement to like, let, let's go for it. We're past anything we set out to achieve at that, from that meeting there. But ambition is infectious and contagious. And as your kind of self-belief grows, you start to think like what Intercom can achieve from here is uh, is huge. I try not to be one of those people who spends my whole time looking backwards about what I did ten years ago or what I did eight, nine, or eight years ago because like it's kind of irrelevant. Like you know, Intercom does not need an archaeologist. Intercom needs like a chief strategy officer who's going to like be excited about the future. So to that to that regard, like it's finding the new sources of like of excitement within the company the, and the, the sort of the next wave of growth and the next set of products and and doing it, I guess a little bit less daunted than I was in 2011 because I've seen what we can do.
0: Stay with us. In just a moment, Intercom employee number three, Macy Baker, has a story about one of Intercom's early company outings in the mountains. But first, if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes by following us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to me now. And since it's our birthday, why not rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts? It really helps other like-minded people discover the show. Okay, over to Intercom employee number three, Macy Baker.
4: The first time that we all got together in Ireland, the team, I think we were ten, nine, 10 of us. Oh, I can't remember. But we all went on a hike in Glendalough. It was beautiful. It was absolutely gorgeous. Hiking up there, obviously, it was like pretty steep. We were all like taking our coats off, you know. And then at some point, it got very, very cold. <laughs> very very cold very quickly and i remember like looking at kieran and he was like (laughs) joking about having to call a helicopter for us and then a few minutes later kind of look around and like everyone's lips are blue we're freezing we are so cold and kieran brings the helicopter thing up again a little bit less joking I was like, oh, my God. Can you imagine if this entire company just dies on the side? (laughs) (laughs) That would be so stupid. So stupid. But like, anyway, none of us died.